Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast. Pat and I are back for part two of our 2021 Washington football team season preview podcast series, although I don't know if you call two episodes a series, but however you choose to phrase it. Um, if you haven't checked out part one, which we dropped last week, make sure you do that so you can get up to speed on our thoughts regarding the defense. Uh, but of, of course, feel free to do that at your leisure and you can stick around right now for this episode, which is part two in which we discuss the offense. Uh, from there, Pat, I'll, I'll basically just turn it over to you right now without me yammering on um, to get your opening thoughts on a group that looks very different from the rather milk toast version of this unit that we saw last year. Yeah, I'm excited about the offense this year. Um, you know, the defense gets a lot of love and, and they should. They'll be a top five unit. Pretty much. I'm not going to guarantee it, but like it's pretty close to the guarantee the defense will be a top five unit and with potential to be, you know, one or two. But the reason I'm so excited about this year, our offense, I, I don't think our offense can be any worse than it was last year. Um, our offense was, it was okay. It was okay at times. And obviously you have the Heineke had now, cause he kind of came in and, uh, you know, caught fire for five quarters. But if you look at their overall team last year, seven and nine and division champs, but we were 32nd in total QBR. Um, you know, we rolled out, a, we rolled out a guy Haskins who I will be the first to admit was totally wrong on. And, you know, he was, I think, dead last in QBR for as long as he was eligible to be part of the statistic. Um, and he's, you know, putting out quotes today, like I saw that. Saw his quote today. I did. What a fucking moron. And Tomlin puts together scouting reports. I've never had that before. Like, one, no chance that Urban Meyer, Jay Gruden, or Ron Rivera never put one in front of him. Two, do it yourself. You're a freaking pro. Um but then when he went down, you know, obviously we had Kyle Allen for it. We had a couple of teams with him. He was decent. Then we had a guy on one leg who could throw the ball about four yards and Alex Smith. Um, and they were throwing to what I had thought last year, the last two years, was the worst position in our team, the wide receiver group. Um, so you barely had anyone who could throw the ball. And then you had the fact that we were rolling out Steve Sims Jr. He's already cut, um, you know, relying on Cam Sims all the time. McLaurin was just getting doubled left and right. I mean, no one who could really be in the slot. The point being is like, I'm the one rambling now because I think the offensive unit is going to make, is going to win us the division. Like, I think we're going to win the division. And I think it's because we're going to be so much vastly improved offensively that it's going to allow our defense to stay a little more fresh. Uh, and we're actually going to score more points. And uh, in the end, when it all is said and done, I think it will lead us to a division title because, uh, you know, we can start with the offensive line as an example. There's some continuity there. There's some new names there, but like they're all athletic. Last year he finished sixth in PFF uh, in total, uh, great grade wise in the offensive line. It starts there. It really ends there too. But I like this offense, and it starts with the offensive line because they are deep and they are nasty. So I will take a slight veer from there and say this: I like the depth quite a bit. This is uh, a a definitively deeper group. I'm a little wary or suspect about whether they're a better group than last year. And it's not like last year is going to make anyone forget about, you know, the 1991 version of the Washington former team, formerly known as the Redskins. Right. Um, It's not like anyone's going to, you know, we don't have Jim Lachey in, in in company rolling out um, in Mark Slareth. People forget Mark Slareth was on that team uh, rolling out in this group. Right. Um, He doesn't, he'll be the first to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. he actually he holds that team in very high uh, in a very high regard as he should 
Pro uh, Football Outsiders continues to rank that as the number one overall DVOA team since they've ever started doing this for a single season. So that should tell you about the quality of the team. And also that should tell you that Football Outsiders is very smart. Um, Current depth chart right now, and we're going to talk about one player in particular quite a bit, obviously. Uh, So left to right, you've obviously got uh, Charles Leno, Wes Schweitzer, or Eric Flowers, depending on what day of the week it is and what the depth chart says. Chase Roulier, Brandon Scherf, and Samuel Cosme. The top reserves, Cornelius Lucas, the starter of, at left tackle for a significant portion of last year. The aforementioned Flowers slash Schweitzer, however you want to look at it. Sadiq Charles, we've talked about him quite a bit. Uh, Keith Ishmael, rookie last year. Wes Martin, third round pick from several years back, who looks like he was playing on ice skates for much of last season. Um, and then a bunch of reserves, Tyler Larson, we got in the offseason, uh, ex-Carolina expat. Uh, David Sharp, I call him the human turnstile, and then a few reserve guys like Bo Benchwazel and John Toth, although John Toth may make the team um, as a deep sleeper. But anyway, that's the group. There's no studs outside of Sheriff, and frankly speaking, I think Sheriff, this might this is almost certainly his last year here, which I think uh, is another yes. reason why the depth has been assembled as such. Before we get into Co- his last year, before we get into Cosme, you know, Charles Leno was kind of a little bit of a left field, no pun intended, I suppose, uh, signing, but it kind of then started to tip the dominoes of like, all right, how are we looking at this offensive line? And then the drafting of Cosme kind of tipped it off even more. Um, I still, so there's two, two other pieces of the puzzle that were very strange to me. Cornelius Lucas played quite well last year. And for some reason, the, the staff was like very quick to want to upgrade from him. And then I think we've touched on this a couple of times, but Releasing Morgan Moses was one of the most questionable moves, if not the only questionable move this team made in the offseason. Like you, as we said, I think last time, you can logically explain it to me and I will understand your logic, but that doesn't mean I'm going to agree with it at any level. And uh, I really like the right side of the line with uh, Sheriff and Morgus, uh, Morgus, Morgan Moses as like the guys, the, you know, the veteran group and the road graders. So that's that. Yeah, I didn't understand either. We talked, we did, we've talked about this, I think, on multiple podcasts. Um, I loved Morgan Lewis. Uh, you know, I think he dude started every game, regardless if he could put any weight on his ankle. Absolute warrior. Uh, or ankles, period. Uh, absolute warrior. He was really bought into, I think, what Ron was doing. And, you know, last year was probably his best year as a pro. Um, you know, we talked about him getting some Pro Bowl nominations for a little while. I mean, he, he was great. Um, so I was surprised to see him let go too. And to your point around, you know, no matter what Ron tells us, like it could make sense, but like doesn't mean we're going to have to agree with it. The, I just think the idea came from more. There's a saying, I forget who says it is like, it might've been a Belichick saying, but rather get rid of a guy a year too early than you. Bill Belichick. It is Belichick. And I got the feeling that's what was going on there. I mean, Moses is not young. He's probably 32 at this point. I think he's my age, 33 maybe. Um, And then he started pretty much every game for the last seven years. So there's a lot of wear and tear on him. Uh, And with Scherf, I'm I'm speculating, by the way. This is not like – I'm just speculating out loud. With Scherf on his way out, he's 30. Yeah, but he's got city miles on him. Yeah. Um, was sure definitely on his way out. I just think Ron saw it as a way to quickly reset, but also reset in a way that caused me to allow to sit there for a year and learn from Sherp before Sherp leaves. Um, and Sherp's held up pretty well. He's actually, I think, the highest graded right tackle in football right now, according to PFF 
granted, it's two preseason game and he's not playing against. You're talking about Cosby. Yeah, Cosby. Yep. And Cosby gets to every single day go against Sweat and Young. And for everything I read in reporting, he got his ass handed to him for a while. Early on. But he's getting better and better and better. And, like, I wish Moses was our right tackle. I loved him. He's also one of the great Wahoos out there. Um, one of your you only know, Wahoos has actually done anything in the NFL, my dad. Uh, agree to disagree. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you guys can Heath recruit Miller, talent. You just can't do a there. goddamn thing with the it. The brick was pretty good. Heath Miller was good. Shab yeah. was good. Ah, fair uh, point. You get that. Shab was also, Shab was also terrific throwing pick sixes. Um, but my, my point is, like, so the offensive line is not the best in the league. It's probably mid-tier. It's probably 15 to 20, somewhere in there. But to your point, the reason I like it so much is we're basically too deep uh, at every position, which yeah. is exciting. Because you look at, like, I, I think about our Eagles game last year, the first game, first game of the season. We had, what, eight, nine sacks? Because they just couldn't – they had no line. Their offensive line was a mash unit, and yes, and we went, we yeah. went to town on them. And then when you look at our division now, the Cowboys line has potential. Like every year, those dudes, if they can stay healthy, like Martin and all those guys, they're studs. But the Giants, Siv, like they're they're not going to win games because their offensive line still. Ours will be okay. Uh, Cosme will get better and better. Scherf is our first 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 team All Pro since Matt Turk. Um, Ruye has gotten better every single year. I'll be the um, unsung the unsung glue guy of this group. Yeah, and. First guy to get an extension from Ron at that. Uh, you have Schweitzer, who I think isn't going to start. I think Flowers has overtaken him. Uh, but, you know, I, two years ago, Flowers was totally fine with me. Uh, but I think they're kind of interchangeable. And the wild card is Leno, who neither one of us know that well because he was in Chicago. But I know Chicago fans were pissed when they got rid of him. And Chicago's left tackle they drafted is out for like the first eight games. He's out for the majority um, of the season, if not the, if not he, just eight games. I don't think it's done, yeah. but back surgery is not something you come back yeah. from like just like that. Uh, Tevin Jenkins, really good player, thought he was starting on the right side. They were projecting that they would have Leno on the left and Tevin Jenkins on the right, and they would be quite happy with it. Obviously, circumstances are what they are, but that was really interesting. Um, nasty dude, more of a right tackle yeah. than a left tackle, but that's just me. Um, Ryan Pace. But that allows, that allows Lucas to be our swing tackle, and that makes him quite valuable. More valuable as a starter than I would argue. Uh, and then my favorite guy doesn't play yet. I really think um, uh, I just said my favorite guy that I drew on. Sadiq Charles. Sadiq Charles from LSU. I think he's going to be nasty. I really, really, really like You and the really coaching staff continue well. to have hope. I'm not disagreeing with you. I mean, he played one snap last year, then ruptured his knee. So maybe he's just one of those guys who can never play because he's always hurt. Interestingly enough, I thought he was they were gonna kick him inside. We talked about that quite a bit. But he they started seem, at right guard that one game. But they seem to be trying to actually push it back on the outside, which could be another well, no, because you know, they kind of well, it could be another reason why they're like they're okay with a patchwork group at left tackle right now. Um I want to go into Cosme for a second because um we were, that's one of the things I identified. So you know, we had our post-draft podcast and we talked a lot about Cosme among other guys. And we talked about his freakish athleticism and things like that. And I, and I want to be clear in the sense that I don't dislike Cosme. In fact, I have nothing but, you know, the highest of high ambitions for him or hopes for him that he, he turns into, he's not the same type of player, but he turns into John Jansen 2.0 for all, you know, who's one of my favorite all-time Redskins. Um, you know, if he, if that happens or Joe Jacoby or whatever, you know, choose your guy. Right. Um, 
I think there's a ton of upside as we alluded to with the athletics, the athletic profile. I just continue to feel Morgan Moses, notwithstanding that starting him or like entrenching him right away as a starting right tackle just feels really, really rushed. Like it just feels premature in my personal opinion. So um, I was watching the new England game. Um, you know, it was hyped. I had to watch football, like real Washington football, if you want to call it real. And um, you know, I watched it and I just, there were the plays that he didn't do well. They just, they were very glaring to me. Like they stuck out and I wasn't even particularly focusing on him, but like when he, when he did something bad, I was like, that was very obvious. Like that came from Cosme that came from the right side of the line. And this play folded like a tent because of what just happened on the right side. And like, in my, in my group of slack with my friends, I was like, Cosme botched that Cosme botched that. And I'm like, why are we trotting this guy out so early? He's great. He's talented, but there's a reason he dropped to the middle of the second round, uh, despite all of that physical talent. And then it was funny because like Washington football fans were just creaming themselves. Like, Oh my God, Cosme's amazing. And I'm like, are we watching the same game? Like, did, did, did I miss something? Am I like, is this bizarro world or whatever? And then pro football focus was like, Oh my God, he was the best rated, you know, rookie, offensive lineman of the weekend highest graded he's the highest graded there's a caveat here he's the highest graded rookie offensive tackle so far in the preseason but mark bullock thankfully look at his splits his pass blocking sucks so exactly to that right so bullock came out and was run blocking apparently is awesome was my depth gauge for like for sanity because he came out and he was like no there was a few issues and uh and i was like okay good so i'm like completely missing anything right so there's a couple times we talk about hand usage um, he would, he had a bad habit of like dropping his hands real low. And I think he got beat with once. Cause like his hands were almost like down by his like belly button or something like that. Right. So that, and like, it just kind of hung out there or did that. And, um, you know, he's a little bit bendy at the waist, you know, instead of like kind of sitting upright and squatty and stuff, like he'll bend over a little forward cause he can get by with his athleticism in so many cases. And again, I, I'm not saying this to knock him. I don't have anything against him whatsoever. I'm not an Oklahoma fan or something like that, but it's like, I I'm just worried that this becomes a little bit of a, of a soft spot on the line. And like, he was doing this in the preseason against vanilla rushing schemes from new England and Cincinnati who don't have a premier pass rusher. Like when you're going to go up against Demarcus Lawrence, when you're going to go up against, well, the Eagles don't have anybody good, but when you're going to go up against really, really good, but you can face Joey Bosa early in the season, right? Like that's Not what worries one. me. What are you saying? We played Bosa week one, don't we? That's exactly yeah, what I'm saying. It's Joey Bosa. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's week one. There's, there's like six Bosa brothers. I can't keep them. Yeah, I don't care. They're all dickheads. So. They're, all really good. They're also all really good. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the you are right. The PFF, get, I mean, he's the highest rated rookie tackle, apparently. Uh, he had like an – I remember his grade after the Patriots game, and I was like, whoa. Like, not only was it high for rookie of a tackle, but it was like – I was like, dude, that's like all pro. <laughs> uh, it was like 85 or something. And I'm but big PFF guy, as mentioned. His, if you actually look at his splits, it's like 89 for running and then like 50 for passing. And it's, you know, for a guy his size and his with his athletic makeup, run blocking is probably just easier to begin with. And he uh, has those Trent-like moments. I don't want to compare him to Trent Williams because Trent Williams is just such a freak of nature in so many different ways. But like one of the things that was so much fun to watch with Trent is like you've got your running back eight yards past the line of scrimmage, and then Trent comes screaming out of nowhere and just blowing shit up. And we saw 
couple of like glimpses of Cosby being able to do that, which again, touches on his athletic abilities, right? Like that, I, I totally concede like in the running game, his ability to get out in open field and like, you know, imagine him on a screen game, like blowing up a, a DB or something like that. Like totally think he could do that. It's just in your basic bread and butter or third down passing situations. That's where I get really worried. Yeah. I mean, I guess he's going to have to, it's trial by fire for him. Um, the good news is the guy to his left is a stud. Um, and Sheriff will be able to make up for a lot of mistakes. The, the thing, the worry I have the most is if he gets lost on stunts. Like Which I, he showed he, early glimpses of being having like a nice part in the business cliche synergy with Sheriff early on. And when to pass guy, when Sheriff's going to pass off. There was a couple yeah. moments where I think Cincinnati did a couple of, of stunts, and like they were able to trade him back and forth, and it was actually quite clean. So you know, credit where credit is due. Yeah, I I know exactly what place you're referring to. But the, the what I'm afraid of is like, and I really want can't like anyone in the football world, Washington football fandom world that listens to this. Like I really caution y'all on the fact that this is preseason. Yes, totally. <laughs> they are not. They are not throwing exotic looks at us. They are not like sure they'll run stunts here and there, but like everything's fairly vanilla. He's lining up. He's going to see his guy, and that's who it is. Maybe they maybe they run a stunt with the D tackle in the, in the end, but like, they're not bringing safety blitzes. They're not bringing, you know, the weak side linebackers not coming around to him. Right. So it'll be interesting to see how, how he goes. I'm very excited about him. I mean, it's love Moses, but like, we need to like, when we had Trent and then we had Scherf, Moses, Rhea, probably the rookie, like that line was really good, but like they all were getting old. It was time to reset. And here we are. Um, and I'm, I'm excited about the line. I think, you know, I know we could talk about Cosme all day. We could talk about Sheriff all day. The guy that matters is Rui. He's the one calling all the freaking uh, uh, blitzes out. He's the one, you know, got to work with Fitzpatrick. He's literally gotten better every single year he's been in the league. Um, so as long as he can stay healthy, you know, and his, uh, I looked it up before this, this podcast, he was the third best blocking center in all of football last year. And then the second best passing block grade among all centers. So he's just dude's rock solid. And uh, I, I'm not saying he's like Jeff Bostick on the bench. If I'm just going to keep him naming back old hugs, but like Keith Ishmael is not a bad is not a bad secondary. Guy, he might not make right? the team. I think he's going to make the team. Although Toth, if they're they're talking him quite a bit, and if he he might he might take Ishmael's spot. But like Ishmael, I think had a couple of cups of coffee at different points last season, and he was fine. So your point yeah, about two a two deep. I don't is think very... I don't think either one of them are going to make the team. I think it's going to be Tyler Larson. Yes, good point. And forgot about Tyler Larson. So you're 100 right there. That's yeah, totally. I mean, I want um, Ishmael to make the team, but he screams practice squad to me. Screams it. See, I feel like that was a Kyle Smith find. And like, I feel like he's got just your point is well taken that in some, like he's a little more developmental, but I just feel like, you know, keep him on the roster, let him see. He was more. raved about when we picked him. Yeah. Uh, Would have been a mid round guy if it wasn't for COVID. My, my spider senses are telling me he's going to end up a practice squad because Larson played for Ron in Carolina. Carolina. Yes. So I think there's a, a natural favoritism towards him right now. Uh, and he's run with the twos all spring. Yeah. And there's the veteran so, presence, all of the above. Yeah. I, like, I, it smells intriguing because he can play guard too. Yes. 
And yeah. we we know Ron's feelings about versatility, right? And it, and, and it's going to come down to the the abacus of how many offensive line they keep versus how many using that as kind of a segue pass catchers they're going to keep, right? Oh, um, yeah. So now we're talking. As we've said in our last podcast, among other podcasts, that like I will be the cynic if not the pessimist, or the pessimist if not the cynic. In many cases, um, if we're and I started out obviously with the Cosme area being the pessimist. Um, if we're going to go swing to the other end of the spectrum. So I saw some article or some stupid NFL.com clickbait or something that ranked Washington's pass catchers as in the bottom third of the league entering this season. I'm going to be very clear entering this season. And I almost had like, I almost had a, you know, fling my feces at the computer type of moment. And I'm like, what the fuck are you thinking? Like this group, you're going to let rate them in the bottom third of the NFL in terms of like, in terms of uh, in terms of potency, and I'm looping the group of pass catchers together. So I'm gonna that's include wide receiver and tight end. I we harped on this word ad nauseum. It's a Ron Rivera word and stuff that you know we're gonna continue to um, overuse as well. Versatility. Look at the versatility and the depth and the dynamicism or whatever the word is that this group can provide you. Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel. Adam Humphreys, still don't think enough people are talking about Adam Humphreys, Deami Brown, Logan Thomas, and, and the, some of the remaining cast from last year who we were able to piece together an offense with. I hated our wide receivers last year. As I you should. fucking hated them. This year, I think the reason I'm so ecstatic about this is because they're all competent. And the fact that, like, Cam, is Cam Sims an NFL receiver? Yeah, probably is. Is he our number two? No. Right. He is like down the depth chart. If we need him, he's in there. Maybe throw some gadget plays at him. Maybe he's a big body. Maybe he's got a red zone package or something. But I also don't think Samuels, I tweeted this from our account. If you listen to Kime on Ben Standings podcast, he insinuates that I think Samuels may have had COVID pretty bad yes. uh, and like wrecked his conditioning. Yep. So yes, he has a groin, but it basically it sounds like he's, his condition just is out of whack. Yep. which you know will happen. So there's been Here's, various look, people. Look there's been various people who are whispering that like if if Samuel's had to play, like if this was the regular season, he'd be good to go. Okay. And they're just being over cautious with him. And I think both 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 stories are very plausible. Yeah, I I can't wait to watch him play because I'm he's going to be in motion every single play. I'm gonna be like, where the hell is he? Um, we have a bona fide number one wide receiver. Terry McLaurin is a stud. He is a number one, like he's going to go for a thousand yards. He plays every game. He's a captain of the team, a captain of the offense, basically now. Um, Terry is just, he's the man. Like give him all the money. Just throw I, the bags at him. For anybody who um, has is participating in fantasy football leagues um, or has the ability to draft him, I don't. He's a keeper in our league and someone else is keeping him. Damn you, Ari. Um, buy all the Terry McLaurin stuff. Buy all of it. Buy all of it, and then buy your friend's Terry McLaurin stock. If I will be astonished, he's going to go for at least eleven hundred yards. At least eleven hundred and seven. At least. And the only reason I'm not even higher on that is because of the depth, the aforementioned depth, right, and the the number of people that mouths to feed. Although Thomas will probably take a lot of. That's one of them. Running backs. That's one of them. Samuels Uh, is our number two guy now, and he is like. Mr. I can line up anywhere. Plus he's been in Ron's offense for, or Scott's offense before. Uh, I'm not as sold on Humphreys as it sounds like you are. I, I do worry a little bit that I like him. I'm excited. He's on our team. 
and I'm excited we actually have a real true slot guy. Uh, but I'm a little worried Fitzpatrick will like latch onto him. Uh, but we'll see. I am stoked for Dwami Brown. Uh, and then the most exciting thing to me right now is the fact that we punted Steve Sims. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, no, no Buffalo, disrespect to Steve Sims Jr. as a person, but like that was addition by subtraction. That was addition by yeah, subtraction. Yeah. There's just no way to sit, no other way to put it. Right. And I think one thing to that, so um, if you guys listen to some of the aforementioned podcasts that Pat was just talking about, uh, I, you have to believe that Sims Sims being punted along with Kelvin Harmon, you know, them parting ways with him probably solidifies. I don't want to get into the depth too much right now, but it's probably solidifies Antonio Gandy golden spot on the roster. And maybe somebody else who I thought was going to be a practice squad guy might make the team. And I'll come back to that momentarily. Um, uh, one thing I want to finish my I'll finish on uh, McLaurin um, early on. My interest. Car- Carter. Uh, I'll get there. John Kime's podcast, which is must listen for anyone. Shout out to John Kime. Also, the Kime Ben Standing episode you mentioned was great. That was an awesome conversation. I enjoyed that yeah, quite a awesome. bit. Um, on Ben Standing's podcast, listen to Ben Standing's podcast on as well. Fellow, another athletic guy or the athletic guy. Anyway, uh, he just he was raving in a very similar manner about we just talk about Chase Young. But just what a professional Terry McLaurin is. He uses that word over and over and over and over again when he's talking about McLaurin. He's like wise beyond his years, polished beyond his years, just a complete professional in the way he approaches the position. And he was saying that, like you could even see early on in the New England game of the Cincinnati game the precision and the polish that he uses in his route running already. Like that's something dudes don't get until late twenties, early thirties and McLaurin's got it now. And I think route running is outside of just overall freakish athleticism is the most important thing any wide receiver can have in the league. And the way McLaurin is able to kind of manipulate the, in addition to his athletic tools, but the way he's able to manipulate the cornerbacks to get open because of that mastery of the nuance and stuff like that. Uh, I love it. And he's just amazing. And he's so good at it. And he has still so much room to get better. Yeah. I love it. I think he's, I think he's an absolute stud of me. A, he doesn't drop the ball. He works hard. He makes outrageous catches, but like every, the hard, the hard part with Terry is he's so good at his damn job that he burns these cornerbacks all the time. And then someone finds the damn highlight and puts it on Twitter. He's like, can you believe that Fitzpatrick didn't throw this ball? Look at, look yeah. at how much Terry torched this dude. I'm like, guys, you don't know what the play call was, what the scheme was, the defense. Like, we just see him streaking. That's all we see. Bullock did a great job uh, of breaking Tom down Brady. the progression. Yeah. Oh, God, that annoyed the hell out of me. Like, it's preseason. Let it go. I almost I almost tweeted from our account, this happens all the time, and then uh, I was actually going to use the Kirk Cousins reference, and I was like, wait, <laughs> wait, I'm going to back this one up. Yeah. I'm not going to say, say this. Um, I, think he, I, I think he's a top 10 receiver in the NFL. Like, I think he's that good. Top 15 um, is a lock. Lock. Yeah, I mean, he's he's amazing. I'm, try, I'm trying to remember the stat that I saw today where I was like, holy hell. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually looking for it as I talk. But uh, so it's something to the effect of like last year he averaged nine yards per catch or something. Um, well, you, you go. I got to look up the stat. Yeah, no, you find it. And this is the thing that I was coming back to earlier. When I was talking about versatility, right? So the guy also, just to finish the point, so I'm not making him a cliffhanger. I think Dax Milne makes the team, right? Uh, our seventh round pick, I do actually. Going back. So uh, it does sound like does sound like Ron loves him. Yep. Uh, so McLaurin, 
McLaurin was hurt for a significant portion of last year, right? Like the second half of the season, McLaurin was not Terry McLaurin. And he still played really well, all things considered, but he wasn't the Terry McLaurin that we were used to. And also defenses just started rolling coverage his way on top of the fact that he's basically playing on one foot. Well, let's take your point about Curtis Samuel, which I 100% agree. The groin problem slash the COVID lingering residue uh, is a story that's not being talked about enough. I don't think we're going to see peak Samuels until like, mid-season like once he kind of gets the rust off of him then we're you know we'll start to really cook with gas when in terms of when he's fully like ready and like ready to go or um more of himself but let's just say for the sake of argument you've got mclaurin and samuels banged up at some point early in the season right you're still rolling out an offense that to your point about cam sims he at least started for portions of last year your offense still can look like tiami brown cam sims adam humphreys and Logan Thomas. That's not bad. And that's with your top two guys injured. If you go with 11 personnel and those guys are who you're running, that's pretty good. And oh, by the way, we've still got our running backs who can still catch passes. And we haven't even talked about the fact that Logan Thomas was a top seven, top eight tight end in the NFL in a bad year for tight ends, I might add, but he's going to be even better. And there's already just tons of talk about the connection that he and Fitzpatrick have at the moment as it is. And you know, Thomas has already made a couple of highlight plays in the preseason. I think he's going to improve on his numbers and that just continues to add on to the group that we have, or that just continues to add on to the versatility. Think about if you have, we've mentioned this early, you have McLaurin on the field, Samuels on the field, Deami Brown, uh, you know, with 10 personnel, Deami Brown, Adam Humphreys, and then you've got pass catcher du jour in the backfield. Who, who, who is the offense as the offense? What, how do you take that away? Who do you roll coverage on? Yeah, as a defense, where, 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 yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, right, and, I and on top, like, uh, finishing my point, Fitzpatrick is not afraid to throw the tight window throw, which Alex Smith obviously eschewed all of last year. What do you do, short of you know play zone and hope for the best? Well, that was what I was going to say. I think everyone's going to improve on numbers, some based on the quarterback play alone. Um, is, is Fitzpatrick, you know? The quarterback of our dreams? No, but he's been in the top 10 in QBR the last two years. Two years ago, he was eight. Last year, he was five. Um, and, you know, I know he played – he probably started six, seven games last year. And then I know he Nine. started the first four games and then Tua came in. And then basically every time the Dolphins got in trouble, they just put Fitzpatrick back in the game. They benched Tua like five times. Twice. They benched him twice last year. Two different points. Stupid. The point being is like McLaurin, Samuels, Humphreys, Thomas. Like Thomas is a great example of this. And uh, they're all going to improve on quarterback play alone. Like, I felt bad for our receivers last year, mostly because I hated them. But, like, they had no one who could throw the ball to them. Go back and look at – so I have no problem with how our offense has played this preseason. I know people are like, well, we haven't scored a touchdown, yada, yada, yada. I don't care. I don't give a shit. The ball has moved. We've got multiple first downs. There are some things that, like, we probably change up, like that fourth and one against the Bengals. Regular season, Peyton Barber gets that ball, not Gibson. Yep. My point is, is there's been multiple times now where um, I got two scenarios in my head. Someone has lined up one on one, and Fitzpatrick has recognized it and said, "Fuck, I'm throwing the ball." Deami Brown's one was deep one. Yeah, Deami Brown's one of them. That's one of example against the Bengals. That was like a 30 yard game, and a hell of a catch, hell of a throw, hell of a catch. The other one was first drive of the preseason. I think it was the first drive of the preseason. Logan Thomas lined up one-on-one with a linebacker, yep. and Fitz was like, all right, go get it. Yep. And it was another 30-yard game. Great catch. Pure catch, too. 
Yeah, these guys are going to get opportunities. And unlike last year, I think we have the guys to really capitalize on. Um, and it's going to be confusing for defenses because Scott will – Turner will put so much window dressing out there that, like, they'll they'll be trying to figure out who's who, where, where are they lined up, where are they going, et cetera. Uh, and it also helps Fitzpatrick, who's been in the league for, you know, 72 years, and he's going to know every single defensive look that he gets. So – I mean, the talent upgrade alone is worth talking about. But I think you add the talent, the scheme, and the fact that you have a quarterback who's going to recognize one-on-one matchups and throw it, like, everyone's stats are going to go up. Did you and I have this conversation that Ryan Fitzpatrick about uh, the fact that Sean Taylor sacked Ryan Fitzpatrick in his rookie season? No. Also, Sean Taylor's first sack was Fitzpatrick. Yes, when Ryan Fitzpatrick was a seventh-round rookie with the then St. Louis Rams in 2005. Also... Another part of my take, shout out this to the second time in two podcasts, they had Fitzpatrick on yesterday for 40 minutes, and he's hilarious, and I'm pumped he's our quarterback. <laughs> I want to talk more about him in his personality when we get to the Fitzpatrick segment, but um, uh, finishing off really quickly about the depth of the pass catching position. Um, so it was an interesting but not surprising uh, move today. I think it was today or yesterday. I can't remember. It's all blending together me, uh, together yeah. for me. Uh, when they cut uh, your boy, uh, Shakespeare in the Park, to Marion Hemingway. Um, I played a dude named Hemingway. Or dude. <laughs> uh, they, 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 were, they were actually kind of bullish on him entering the season. They thought he could be the move tight end. He, between, I think, something about the concussion protocol, I didn't pay close enough attention to that. But he just whiffed on a couple of blocks. He, he did not look good. And uh, Ricky Seals-Jones has been one of those guys who he's played on 83 teams or he's just been around the league a long time. He never has been good, but he's competent. And I think they're fine with that. I, I continue to believe um, John Bates is a really sneaky addition. He's a Dude, really... I think Bates is going to be really good. He's a really good blocker. If nothing else, he's a nasty blocker. So there was the run in Cincinnati. This was the one that I tweeted. He that sealed Logan, someone hard against Cincinnati, yeah. If Logan Thomas finished that block, Gibson may have made a house call on that one. Like he only had one guy, I think it was Jesse Bates, to say this, this, uh, the single high safety screaming down. And I think Gibson could have shook him in the open field. Thomas kind of let up on his block, and I was really mad about that. But if you watch that play, there was kind of it was almost like a counter tray, like old school Joe Gibbs style, right? Where you had like everybody going left, and then um it was Sadiq Charles and Bates were countering going on the right side, and they just wiped their dudes. And like watching Bates do that, and along with Sadiq Charles and my dad, like that was really fun to watch and just shows off some of their versatility. I think Bates, and I I said this, I think when we drafted him, I think Bates is gonna be a really sneaky red zone guy. Like he's just gonna be the one everyone's he's going to come in and like oh he's the blocker he's the blocking tight end and he's going to he's going to do some things and it's just another arrow in the quiver i i am i'm very sneaky eye on him i think probably ricky seals jones at this point makes the 53 or whatever the official number is now um but i I don't think he's going to contribute much but um i really like him and then going to the wide receiver position to fill it out so uh, alluding to this the the four are locked in McLaurin, Samuel Humphreys, Deami Brown, right? Uh, Cam Sims almost written in Sharpie at this point. I mean, it'd be astonishing if they didn't. So now you're looking him at a, a group. him and AGG are both. I wouldn't put get AGG in Sharpie, but I wouldn't put him in pencil either. Right. So he's more than likely, especially after we said about the Sims release. And then you've got the remaining group is Dax Milne or Dax Milne. I think his official pronunciation is Deandre Carter and Isaiah Wright. I don't know if 
well, all three are definitely not making the team. And there's been a little bit of a talk about DeAndre Carter. If I had to put my money on it, I don't think he's making the team. Like, I think he's a nice story, but like, I don't think he's contributing enough to where like, oh, you got to keep that guy. And I think they like milling on teams. And I think they feel like he could do some things. And didn't he return a kick also against Cincinnati? Came out of. I think he did. He, he, he did. He was the second guy. He was the second punter return. And that's when I was like, oh, Steve Sims is gone. Right. Uh, uh, so I think it's going to be Carter over him because he seems to have won the punt returning gig. I'm not fighting you for it yet. Um, and it, I don't think we'll have a problem stashing decks on the practice squad. If that's the biggest thing, right? Like I think because he was almost like a Mr. I think he was the pick before Mr. Irrelevant. He was second to last pick. Yep. So exactly to your point, like I feel like they could probably, they could probably put him the practice squad and he'll clear waivers. Um, and to that point, one guy we haven't mentioned as of yet, uh, they, I think it was the standard kind podcast where they were like, they can't put Samus Reyes on practice on uh, the practice squad. Cause he's not going to make waivers. Team. Right. He's going to make the team. I forgot about mentioning him. So now you got four tight ends there unless they cut. Samus I don't Jones. think. Yeah. I don't think Samus Jones big team. I think he's a camp body. Wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't. Dis- I, I can't disagree with you on that. So um, we would, we'd go from Thomas Sprinkle Oh, Hemingway. Why did you have to bring Park up? Jer- Why to, did you have to bring up Jeremy to, Sprinkle? To Thomas Bates, who seems to be a gray blocker, uh, and shout out to the Buzogs here. The we've been calling Frankenstein, or I just call him. We've been calling Sammy Reyes, whatever his name is, El Frank for Frankenstein because he's just a freak. He's I mean, I, freak. he's he's like the deer who's all legs, who's all legs and doesn't really know how to run yet. But like, there's there's talent. There's there's very obvious talent. He's years away so from years away like, from being. He's more like the Bates. Rock, who's never played. He's like the Rock, but he's never played football. Right, that's a, another good pumped way. To be, he's pumped to be a Chilean too. Every time he talks, he talks about being from Chile. Hey, shout out to it, great country. I don't have anything else on that one. You know, we talked about special teams. We don't need to keep belaboring that point, but finishing it all off, I um. I think this group is as deep and as versatile as it's been in quite some time. We may not have the headliners like you do with, did like even in recent memory with Pierre and Deshaun, but like, although Terry McLaurin, you could argue is better than either of them, but I loved, loved Pierre. Uh, I, I love the chess match problems that it's going to create for opposing defenses. And as we alluded to, the running back position from a pass catching standpoint, I think is going to only further further the ability for this offense to create mismatches, but that's the secondary responsibility uh, running the football is primary. Um, I'll let you get into Antonio Gibson first, because I have a lot of things I want to say about him. Yeah. Gibson um, running backs are pretty much the same. Uh, pretty much not exactly, but pretty much the same as a year ago. Um, you know, we have Gibson McKissick's back. I don't know why so many Redskins fans or Washington football team fans like semi hate Barber. Dude has a role and he does it really well. I was the one who hated Barber as much as anyone, and he was great last year. Yeah, you you were super anti. Yep. Uh, Barber, but like, there's been two scenarios already in the preseason where he shows his value. The first was when we scored against the Patriots. We gave Patterson the ball on the one yard line twice. He couldn't get in. Third down, gave it to Barber, touchdown. Uh, the fourth one against Cincinnati, we gave it to Gibson to be like, go get that yard, stoned. Nope. Um, so there's a spot for him. The tricky part is, is how do you get Patterson on the on the on the roster? Uh, yeah, on the roster, right? Yeah, like he he's making the team, so that's why I think Sadiq Charles is so important. I think JP Finley wrote about this. I'm not a big JP Finley fan, but like 
his point was very valid, so I'll give him credit. Uh, Charles can play so many offensive line positions that it allows us to only carry nine linemen because he can play all around, which would allow us to stash Patterson on the 53. So that would give us four running backs um, highlighted by Gibson. So I don't know how many touchdowns. I think he had 11 touchdowns 11. off the top of my head last year. Um, went for over 1,000 yards total, combined yards. I think he's the top 10 running back in the league. Uh, that's why I'm so excited about this team is like we have so much young talent. He's only going to get better. Uh, the thing I we talked about this so many times last year. He always, always, and it. I remember even caveating that I hate the saying, but I'm going to say it again. He always falls forward. I mean, he got stoned in that fourth and one, but when he gets going, he is always moving forward. Uh, his great hands out of the backfield, obviously, because of his receiver days. Like he's really good. McKissick. How many receptions? McKissick was like second on the team in catches last year. Was second or third in the NFL among rece- among running backs receptions. He was second behind Kamara. Yes, that sounds uh, accurate. Uh, so like, it's a it's an interesting group. It's not like it's not like when we had Portis backed up by like uh, Liddell, right? Like, yeah, it's not it's not like these. It's not like we have this bell cow who's going to line up, take the rock, and go. But that doesn't exist in the NFL anymore. They're, Correct. Outside of Derek Henry, and, but like Derek Henry's nuts. Yeah, uh, he's also not human. No, uh, but like Gibson's going to get 15, 20 touches a game. McKissick probably gets five more. Um, so it's a good group. I don't think it's a group like it's not the best group in the NFL by any means. But like I think that Gibson has a chance to really become one of the best backs in the league, most versatile for sure. McKissick has his role, Barber has his role, and then the kicker is Patterson, who. Might kick Danny Johnson off the team as he might start returning kicks too. Uh, that would not surprise but me. But I really like him. I, I know you want to talk about Gibson. I like these dudes. These dudes have a lot of potential. That's what it comes down to. Uh, they're going to be targeted in Scott's offense like a bazillion hundred times. Uh, so they got to be able to catch and run. So there's two things about Gibson. Number one was there was some talk about, I don't know if it was plantar fasciitis or the something like that. Turf toe, that was it. Uh, so far that has been a completely moot point. It's been a non, it's been a non-starter, no pun intended, uh, throughout, through the entirety of camp. There's been no visible, um, effects from it. You know, I think he also, I think he lost weight over the course of the off season or like he, like he leaned up a little bit in comparison to where he entered the league last year. I think a lot of rookies had that situation where they didn't really weren't able to fully prepare for the upcoming NFL season point being he's in better shape. Um, so that's that. Um, so your 11 touchdowns. Turf toe point- is worse. And he, he had the turf toe against the Steelers last year. He missed a couple games, came back. But like he was the one in the offseason. I was like, I'm not 100% healthy yet. So it's, it's a little worse. He said it throughout the offseason. And it was a very talk. It was a big talking point. But he did say early. I mean, of course, everyone says this entering training camp that I'm 100% and blah, blah, blah. But you see, so you take that with a grain of salt. But again, from the scribes who watch it and people who you actually trust, namely John Kine, Ben Stag, Standig, and it's probably the end of the list. Um, they are like, look, there's no reason to believe that it's lingering. Right. He looks as close to 100% as we've seen him in a burgundy and gold uniform. Uh, your 11 touchdowns point. Um Gibson touched had a touchdown every nine times he touched the ball last year. Eleven touchdowns on two, basically on two hundred touches. I'm just gonna go put that, go ahead and put that out there, right? That's really, really good. Um, so I famously hated the pick when it happened. I could not have been any more wrong about that. Uh, I could not, I cannot ask for a large enough mea culpa on it. Um, and I want to say 
here's how much that I've swung on Gibson. And uh, not to mention this guy's name in this two consecutive podcasts, but um, Bill Simmons had this running, like this running like series he used to do where it's like, and he would talk about his NBA trade value columns. And he would be like, if team A offered team B and said, I'm going to swap you this guy for this guy who hangs up the phone and who calls a meeting about it. Right. And I was going to say with Gibson that if we're doing equal player swaps with running backs in the NFL, the only players or the only GMs in the NFL, if I was the GM of this team and they were doing running back swaps for Antonio Gibson, the only one where I tell them like, don't hang up the phone. Let's have a conversation about it. Are Christian McCaffrey, Derek Henry, the aforementioned uh, Dalvin cook, Amer- Alvin Kamara, and maybe, 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 maybe Nick Chubb. Right. The only player would I'd say like you, you have to, you have to, I have to think about it. Give me a little bit of time. I'm not hundred percent certain, but I have to think about it would probably be Ezekiel Elliott and Joe Mixon. Past that, I just dropped knocked off my my uh, notebook and my zeal. There's not a single running back in the NFL that I'm taking over him. I'm not taking Josh Jacobs over him. Uh, I've never been that big of a Josh Jacobs guy. I know we got a lot of hype coming out of the lead, uh, coming out of um, Alabama. Uh, there's two other guys that I had on my list. Uh, not Jonathan Taylor, who everyone loves this year. Uh, Gibson can hold on to the football. Gibson's a better receiver. I'm not talking about J.K. Dobbins or Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I think Gibson's more talented, more uh, just better than those guys, frankly speaking. And I want to be this one very overt name that I have deliberately made sure that I'm not mentioning. I'm not even holding a meeting or having a second thought about Saquon Barkley, right? Like if you tell me right now, Antonio Gibson or Saquon Barkley, I'm going to say, fuck that guy. I want, give me Gibson. I don't want a guy who's missed 17 games in two years. I don't want a guy who's had 500 carries on in so far. And, and I don't want a guy who... Looks like he could be, you know, an injury marred player for the majority of his career. Give me Gibson. So that's how I feel about him. Uh, top, he's definitively a top ten running back if you go by the list I just mentioned. And uh, and yeah, that's that. Shane McCaffrey. I did McCaffrey's number one. Like you can't. McCaffrey's just the best dual threat weapon in the NFL right now. There's just no. There's. About I mean, I bring him, him and Camara. Bring up McCaffrey because everything I've read is that's what Turner wants him to become. Uh, he wants him to kind of become. I mean, it seemed laughable be initially, and not anymore. Yeah, I'm not saying he'll be as good as McCaffrey. McCaffrey is a freak and a stud, but like a similar role, right? Where he's going to touch the ball a lot, and it's not going to be necessarily like I'm going to line up in the eye formation. We're going 36 power. You know, it's going to be him in the swing passes. It's going to be counters. It's going to be jet sweeps. Um, you know, any which way you can get him moving before he even has the ball. Right. Or you just line him up in the backfield and then you motion him into the slot and now you've got a different yeah. oh shit look. Yeah. I mean you put you put him in the slot against a linebacker and the linebacker's torched. Our offense hummed last year when he was healthy. Uh, and it became stagnant when he left until Heineke came in and was like, I'm gonna go Superman for five quarters. But like the amount of times Smith dumped the ball to him and then he made two guys miss and picked up six extra yards, you know, he's slippery for lack of a better term. Um, and then he also has four career touchdowns against the Cowboys already. So like, love him. <laughs> I wanted to say that his performance <laughs> against Dallas on Thanksgiving, I hate bringing up this name again, was RG three esque. Hundred hundred yards, three sticks. Uh, hundred yards rushing. Or I think it was 100, 101 and three touchdowns. He humiliated the Dallas defense that day. I think he was the one with the waving goodbye as he was crossing the end zone, uh, crossing the line into the end zone. That was the national um, headline picture for that game. But like, that was one of the best performances by one of our players against a Dallas team in a decade. Yeah. I mean, he's look, he's a stud. I actually, when he ripped up 
his turf, his uh, toe on the turf in Pittsburgh, we were down seven, nothing already. And I remember thinking, Oh shit. Like, mm-hmm. cause at the, that point there was the tide of the season was turning, right? We had won a couple games. Like if we beat this, if we upset the Steelers and like we were in it. And I remember when he got hurt and I, I will never forget. I, I was like, go figure. Like, we're not going to win this game now. <laughs> like, there's no chance we win this game, uh, which you know, obviously we, we did because our defense is sick. Um, but if Gibson can stay healthy all year, I mean, sky's the limit for him. We're talking we're talking an ace at receiver. One of the better tight ends. I can't believe Super Spreader is actually good. Talk about missing. I thought Logan Thomas was going to fucking suck. Uh, and then we have a potential top 10 running back. I mean, like, the pieces are there. You just said it, top 10 receiver, top 10 tight end, and top 10 running back. Tell me more. Yeah, the pieces are there. And that that doesn't even mention Curtis Samuel, who's a stud in his own right. And it all falls onto the shoulders of a man with an epic beard. Epic beard. And that went to Harvard, apparently. I'd never heard that. No one ever talks about the fact that he went to Harvard. No one ever mentions that. No one. That was Uh, one one of my favorite parts of the part of my take podcast. They're like, Remember, you went to Harvard. And he's like, yeah, I went to this like small school in Boston. Not many people know about it. And then they started riffing off of uh, uh, um, Goodwill Hunting. They they ripped on Goodwill Hunting for like 10 minutes. Uh, you great. might as well. Fickers. Okay. Fitzy. So a couple of things on Fitzpatrick. We've discussed him ad nauseum. Uh, my my favorite, I, I have dubbed the acronym nickname for him of uh, NFG for Fitzpatrick, and that NFG basically means no fucks given. And it's in reference to the fact that he's a tight window thrower. You alluded to the couple passes, the Logan Thomas pass, the Deami Brown pass, the Logan Thomas pass in the New England game, the Deami Brown pass in uh, Cincinnati. First throw of the preseason he made to, to, to Terry McLaurin. Dude was sandwiched between two corners. There's no chance on God's green earth that Alex Smith made that throw at any point last season. And he just walks out and is like, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to throw it to that guy. Like in the middle of traffic, right down the middle of the field, perfect pass. And, you know, we just keep the chains moving. Obviously it was just first down or whatever. Uh, I feel like there's going to be a lot of that. And that's where, you know, good Fitzpatrick, bad Fitzpatrick comes in with the, 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 the potential interceptions. I saw some passing tweet of some sort about Fitzpatrick being the odds on favorite for most interceptions thrown this year. Um, like among he's the betting, he's the betting favorite, right? So I don't know if I would necessarily take that. I think he's going to take a little bit, a little bit, and I think I could be dead wrong about this, but I think a little bit of the mustard off of his usual, like you know, um, Rex Grossman moments, if you will. Uh, but I don't. <laughs> I I'm probably dead wrong about that. It's probably just me in, in blind optimism. You're pairing guys who can move in space and guys who are athletic with a guy who's not afraid to get them the football in space and thread the needle in zone because there's no way that defenses are running man with the, with the guys we have. So now you've got a guy who can thread the needle and it's just a matter of, you know, he was a little like the throw he made to Adam Humphreys in the back of the end zone, or was just a bit too tall. Like there's been a few throws that Rivera's mentioned, like he's just putting a little too much hot sauce on it. I don't know if he's getting to know his receivers. I don't know if he's just a bit anxious, whatever, but if and when those start hitting, man, it's going to be really tough to stop this offense. They both happened on the first or second drive against the Bengals. And we got into like, it was right after the uh, Tommy Brown throw. He like, all of a sudden he was feeling himself and he let two go. He had Thomas, he had Thomas open for a touchdown and he just let her rip. Uh, I am like, 
maybe it's just because I was so wrong on Haskins. I just learned to loathe everything about our quarterbacks. I'm very excited for Fitzpatrick. Um, you know, at this time of year, I'm excited about everyone. Right? Last year, I was like, oh, maybe Haskins turns the corner, give them all 17 or 16 games. Year before that, I was like, well, maybe Keenum will keep the sea warm for a little while. And we'll be okay. You know, whoever's the quarterback of our team, I'm going to like. But what's intriguing about Fitzpatrick to me is, first off, that third of McLaurin, that slant he threw that you just mentioned was a freaking rocket. Yep. Um, I loved him identifying one-on-ones and, and throwing it up there. He has led the league in different years in yards per attempt, yards per completion, and net yards per completion. He's been in the top 10 in QBR last year. Seemingly, is getting better. The downside of him is every year he started 10 games with the exception of one year. So he started over 10 games. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And he's nine times. So eight out of nine times when he started over double digit games, he has double digit picks. So he's going to throw interceptions. Like, let's just let's just get that out there now. They're going to be some of them are going to be crippling, some of them are going to be frustrating. But at the same time, you know, he if you look at all his stats, like he has the best tight window throw percentage in the NFL. Uh, he had one of the best ratings against the Blitz last year. Um, He's openly talked about how this is probably his best opportunity as a starter. Uh, and I think he really recognizes that. Uh, and not to mention, like I said in the beginning of the podcast, we hit the worst quarterback situation in the NFL last year and we found a way to win. And we looked like we could play toe to toe with the Super Bowl champions when we had competent quarterback play. Although Heineke was a little more incompetent that game. He was great that game. Point is, is give us good quarterback play and we are the best team in our division i honestly believe that so the 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 athletic feature that robert mays did on on brian fitzpatrick was excellent people who raved about it have done so uh, were right to do so um but i do love the fact where they were you know one of the big takeaways from that was the fact that like fitzpatrick is like look nfl offenses after 15 years in the league it's just a matter of picking up the lingo it's like going from a language to another language at the end of the day there's a lot of overlaps but he and May is kind of tied in with the fact that Fitzpatrick has seven kids. And he was like, it's really about getting to know the guys. It's really about like trying to be the leader in the sense of like, I want to understand who they are as people. How, how do you know, how do they work? What are their, how are they wired? Yada, yada, so forth. And um, you know, that's one of the big benefits that we had from Smith. That was just a thorough professional at that position. McLaurin talked about it a lot last year, who he was like, when Smith entered the huddle, there was just this sense of calm that like, not only did, if you know that if you were supposed to run a route in the right place, you would get the ball at the right place. But if you didn't run the route at the right place, Smith would tell you, this is what you're supposed to go do, go do that. And I think you're going to get a lot of that with Seth Patrick as well. Granted with the roller coaster ride of, of interceptions and, and, you know, and, and errant plays, but I like that part a lot versus trying to just shove another young quarterback and, and hope for the best uh, not to take anything from Heineke, but you know, Heineke is a gunslinger. Like Heineke's fun. He's physically limited. Heineke is a rich man's, maybe not even a rich man's, but he's, there's a lot of Colt McCoy to him. You know, like he's not going to be the guy who don't you, you sit there. Don't you compare him to Colt McCoy. There's, I'm not don't saying he's, he's a better Colt, but he's better than Colt McCoy. But like, there's a lot of that in this game. Like he's, he's a guy that like, if he comes off the bench, he's like your perfect sixth man, right? He's like, you don't want him to start every game, but you bring him off the bench, it's microwave offense and he can start cooking. And I think that's, you know, like I, Heineke's performance against Tampa Bay is one of my favorite things I've ever seen from this team in quite some time. 
but there's also the element you have to admit that like they yeah it's a surprise surprise. they had no idea what to game plan for things that stand out to me are last year we were second to last nfl in yards per play we averaged 4.9 yards per play last was giants or excuse me the jets uh, at 4.7 and then just ahead of us were cincy and the giants and the eagles and chicago and denver the reason i bring that up is all those teams were bad none of them could score we were 30th in the league in terms of yards per play or 31st excuse me then you look at the fact that last year on average we had two 15 yard plays per game like that's it that's not Fitzpatrick is four and two quarters and we're just talking about preseason right like our offense is going to move because whether it's him or Heineke comes in to your point and is like a microwave off the bench, like that ball is going to be thrown downfield. You couple that with a strong running game, and dude, like I'm that's why I'm so bullish with this offense. Is like we we found a way to scratch and claw last year, and there were games where I was like, what is Scott Turner even doing? But then you always had to bring it back to being like, what's he supposed to do? Right? Like he's got Alex Smith thrown to Logan Thomas, and that's about all we can do because they're triple teaming Terry or, you know, we're throwing him a kiss at 15 times a game, whatever. So I think, I think we'll truly find out if Scott Turner's a really good offensive coordinator this year. Cause he has weapons. There's a low key, a lot of, pres- a lot of pressure on him to make yeah. good with all the pieces that he has. Yeah. There's uh, a defense to back him up so they can take risks and they have a quarterback that's going to take risks, right? Like he's going to be Rex. Fitz is going to be Rex. I mean, that season when Jabbar gets, Gaffney was our leading receiver. Ugh. Don't bring up me and say Jabbar Gaffney. Is it 14 or 13? Yeah, it was maybe early Shanahan. Oh, no. That's the, you're talking about 2011. 2000, was that the John Beck season? It might have been might the John Beck season. Yeah, that's 2011. It was Shanahan's first year. That's 2010. Maybe the second year. Whatever. We yeah. were bad in both years. Who cares? Mm. Uh, that season was only fun because there were times when Rex was just like, fuck this. And he would just chuck it. We're going to have a little bit of that this year. The difference, though, is we have a chance to be actually good. And I am curious when I hear things Tannehill say, or not Tannehill, um, Fitzpatrick right. say things like, um, this is my best chance in the NFL. This is the best opportunity I've had. I do wonder, to your point, if he's going to dial back and try to take a little more advantage of that. But then I watched this preseason, and you're talking about those two overthrows. The dude just lets it go. Mm. He's going to let it fly. And there are going to be games where we're like, Holy hell, this is the best quarterback we've ever had. And they're going to be games where I text you and I'm like, this is fucking dumb. Should we start warming up Heineke off the bench right now? Yeah. Um, so basically, I mean, the beauty of Fitzpatrick is, and I don't think it's talked about enough, is like, if he's really good, great. We can resign him for one more year. Yep. If he sucks, we move on. Big deal. That's the That's best the case scenario is that Fitzpatrick, we can get in squeeze another year out of him and then potentially build some type of secession plan. With Heineke. <laughs> with Taylor Heineke, Taylor Heineke <laughs> becoming the next Tom Brady, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, the cult of Taylor Heineke is fun, but I think he's just another chapter in the classic love affair with the backup quarterback. I, he's just, he's not a guy who can start 16 games. He's limited, but I think he absolutely has a place in the league as that type of quarterback. And if Ron Rivera chooses to stay in the league, I think there's very little reason to believe that Tyler Heineke won't follow him around because why not? Right. And you know, he's, yeah, I mean, that's how, uh, that's how Rex stayed in the league for so long. He's, Fishing buddies Chill across Shanahan. Shanahan. Yeah. yeah. Everywhere Shanahan went, he went until I think the Niners. And if he had, if he ended up in the 49ers, I think just Rex timed out because of age. Otherwise I wouldn't have been surprised if he had a cup of coffee over there too. I, I really, 
if the offensive line holds up kind of putting a coming full circle with all of this, if the offensive line holds up, that's, that's honest to God, my biggest question about this offense. I have no questions about anything else. I think this is a legit, very, very good offense. I just worry that they were going to be able to fully um, do their part. Like the one, there was an errant pass to JD McKissick that kind of, there's like a pop-up that Fitzpatrick threw while I was falling down against the Bengals. And I think that was a blown, uh, it was actually a blown assignment by Cosme. Right. And I'm like, I just worry about instances like that because Fitzpatrick is going to throw those YOLO passes. Right. He's going to do that. And especially if he's got somebody barreling down his, his throat. And I just want to make sure the line doesn't give him opportunities or more opportunities than necessary to make those YOLO passes. I think that's the beauty of it. I mean, we're, we're going to have moments when we watch Fitzpatrick do things where we're like, well, he's going to catch his own pass one time and run it for a touchdown. You know, like, who did the Brad Johnson? Yeah. Something, something wild is going to happen. And, you know, we're just going to have to laugh it off. But when I look at our Josh Harrison, former Nat, just hit a bomb. Uh, uh, I just like, you got a great defense. Our offense, the, our offense is the reason I'm excited about the season. Our defense is already good. Our offense has a chance to be not great, but like good. And you couple that, you couple those two things with a bad division. And like, we have a chance to, I don't, I think we're going to go 10-7. That's my official prediction. Um, because our F, but I bet you we go four and two, five and one in division, and then go six and five, five and six out of, out of the division. That sounds. That's I would. I haven't made my official prediction yet, but that sounds a very like the right thinking to I me. Mean, we our schedule is hard. Yes, no way around it. There's we play no... all four. We play all four finalists. It's bad, and we play the Chargers, who like could be really good. I think could be a good really team. Good. It's not even yeah. just from previous conversations. The more and more I think about them, like it's really hard. They were legit had, back for the first time. And they legit had the, one of the worst coaches in the NFL last year. And they were still like really good. You have smart people there. I really, don't know. I, the, the damn Giants game out of the gate. Week two, Thursday night, we got to win that game. That's a game we have to win. Is it if it's week two or week three? Um, there's a good chance Saquon Barkley's not there. And if he's not there, then there's no it's reason. Week two. Is it? It's Thursday so night, week two. Um, I was going to say something, but I lost it. So Which, nonetheless. Which is a primetime game. So we have a primetime game. We play the Seahawks on Monday night, which is a big deal. <laughs> big the, deal for this in the guy's household. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll be watching that at my in laws probably. Uh, Godspeed. Fired man. up, ready to yell at him. Dude, the Seahawks aren't even that good. Like, Their defense they, is getting more and more. They've been good us. for years. Yeah, they've been good for years, but like, dude, they're getting shellacked in the preseason. My brother in laws are like, oh, it'll be fine. If I are not playing anyone, I'm like, dude, you. You better hope Russ not doesn't get hurt. And that the new this I think is Shane Waldron is their offensive coordinator, but the, there's been questions about the Shane the the fit of the new OC with Russell Wilson, right? Because um, it's a little more structured. Russell Wilson that does play more street ball of um in terms of quarterback. Mister, trade me. I get sacked too much. I'm like, dude, have you ever watched him play? You hold the ball longer than any quarterback in the league. Yeah, and you not quite. I mean, you can do some pretty close stuff, but you don't, can't quite do Aaron Rodgers shit because that's Aaron Rodgers. No, I mean, literally the only person you can do in Rogers is Mahomes. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay, so putting are a final... Are you going to make an official prediction on this podcast? I'll tweet it out on the from the account. I, I haven't... I have not taken a close enough look. I'm behind on my season wins and losses uh, predictions. Um, I'm not predicting a losing season, which is the first time in a long time. I'm not. I, I, I can't. I cannot in good conscience predict this team to lose more games than it wins. I can't. Like, 
I, it's not even the fandom in me. And like, I just, I don't see that road I'm short of an injury marred season. I just don't see it. Um, let's leave it there. I will put, tweet out my pred- official prediction, but as I said, I'm not going with the losing season. Uh, seven NFC East champs Super Bowl. We're going to the playoffs. We're going to the postseason. <laughs> it's happening. If nothing else, we're let's going to go. the postseason. All right. Um, Two if weeks. No- if nothing else, you're going to catch Pat and us, Pat and I, Pat and us, Pat and I, after the uh, Chargers game, we'll be doing our weekly recaps, uh, schedules and, and children's schedule permitting. Um, but we want to continue, we're going to continue to do that. So again, if you don't hear from us between now and the kickoff, you will definitely hear us right after the game against LA. Should I say the win against LA? I don't want to be that audacious right off the bat, but that's where my head is at. Uh, until next time. Uh, not only subscribe to us on iTunes, if you guys can leave us some reviews, we're trying to get that the rating up and it's, it's fun in games, but now I want to get a little more competitive with this, especially because of all the shitty podcasts out there, like the JP Finley one and you know, enough of those ass clowns. Um, also I'm trying to drop more stuff on YouTube. Do give us a like and subscribe to our channel. It's slowly, but surely growing, trying to put some stuff there, have some exclusive content. Um, but yeah, tune in next time. And if nothing else, um, hail to the Redskins. Oh, there we go. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.